You are now listening to the moon child. It's a sunny day, birds are chirping. Middle of the afternoon, 11:15. Springtime. Weather is getting nicer, not too hot, definitely not too cold. It's my day off today, so it's always nice to have a day off. I believe that it's mandatory for me to make sure I put out an episode on my days off due to the fact that I am working two jobs right now. But I enjoy coming on these podcasts, talking to the very few people that listen to me. I'm going to come at a different angle. This episode, it is officially draft season for, shoot, for some NBA teams. And it's getting closer to the NFL draft. I kind of want to get into that stuff today. I want to talk about um, the grades that I give the lottery picks this year. Um, I want to talk about my top 10 prospects coming into the the next draft for the NBA. And I want to give my first round mock draft. So that's what I'm going to be getting into today. Um, as far as the Sacramento Kings, they play the Pelicans tonight. We are on a six-game losing streak. I addressed that last episode. When they were on a five-game losing streak, we are now on a six-game losing streak because we lost to the Jazz on Saturday, which was low-key expected. The Jazz are the best team in the NBA right now. Um, we're going to see how we bounce back versus the Pelicans. Fox usually drops 40 on the Pigeons. Um, and they have basically the same record, and they're trying to get to the same spot that we're trying to get to is that playing game. But the problem with both the Pelicans and the Sacramento Kings is that they constantly play inconsistent basketball, and they are terrible defenses. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go tonight. If the Kings do not win tonight, it's not going to get any easier. We do have to play the Mavericks, and we also have to play against the Suns soon. Um, we do get to play against the Timberwolves twice, and we do play play the Wizards. But, you know, can we stay consistent? Do we actually have to play down to our competition? Who knows? But there is some good news as well. Um, I had just got a notification this morning that the Kings are allowing fans starting April 20th. So that might be a big impact. You know, this team hasn't been able to play with fans all year. The teams in the East Coast, like, you know, the Rockets has been having fans since the start of the season. So as the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, um, New York is starting to get fans now. Uh, maybe the fans can hopefully, you know, um, bring some energy that's been desperately needed for this Kings team. I'm going to see if I have a chance to go to a game for sure. Why not be able to watch the worst defensive team play live right in front of me? <laughs> but nah, and on another note, it'll be cool to see some NBA basketball live again. I was able to go to A's game, but I don't know how I feel about the COVID experience. It was, it was bizarre when I went to the A's game. It was probably one of the most bizarre experiences that I've um, experienced. I, so first off, it was me and my friend Miguel. Um, the vendors, the vendors, nothing is paid with cash anymore and everything's paid with car. It's convenient, but there's, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's some, it's going to take me some time to adjust to just everything. Cause the way they're able to do it is just technology has taken another step and it's developing, you know, it's evolving right in front of our eyes. And then the vendors also had like these barcodes on their shirts and then you could just scan the their back and then you can like place an order on your phone 
And then when it comes to like the snack bars or whatever, it's all, you know, you scan through a barcode on the wall and then you place an order and then you pick up. It was just bizarre for me. Um, but as far as the game, the Oakland A's, you know, it's, it's baseball. It's a long season. Um, they started off really bad. They started off like 0-5. We got smacked by the Dodgers, the game I went to. And the worst thing about, not even us getting smacked, you know, or whatever. The worst thing about that game was Dodger fans just completely took over the stadium. Like, it was a Dodger home game. There was like, you know, compared to the A's fans that were there, Dodger fans really showed up. And it was sad because they were just louder than us. I felt like a Chargers fan. It was embarrassing. It's like I damn near wanted to put on a Dodger cap myself. But you know they had it, it, it's completely different in baseball where you know the game is unfair. The A's we already know have no money, and the Dodgers have all the monies to keep their good players and their reigning world champions. Um, so they're you know they they have something to look forward to. Me as an A's fan, we don't ever keep any superstars. And, you know, we have to expect a new roster every year because that's just the situation that we're in. But back to the COVID experience as a game, yeah, it's it's gonna it's interesting and it's going to be weird how it is with the NBA game because it is indoors. So there might be more, it might be more strict. It's going to be interesting experience. Um, I'm going to try to um, go to the Timberwolves game. I think we played the Timberwolves twice at home. And I know those t tickets shouldn't be too expensive. Or it might be expensive since it's limited capacity. And we haven't had a game in so long. And De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, I'm pretty sure the whole city wants to see them live. Anywho, with that being said, I want to get into the grades of the rookies. Uh, I'm not going to do every single rookie. I want to do lottery pick since, you know, those are the teams that didn't make the playoffs that had a chance to draft somebody to really change their team. And, yeah, I want to give them a grade, kind of talk about, you know, what how they've been this season, how they're helping, and overall what's my opinion on, you know, the rookies this year, the lottery picks this year. And we're going to start with the number one pick, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards, I give him a B plus, really close to A-. minus. Um only reason I don't give him an A minus is for two reasons: one, one efficiency, and two team record. And one of those things is not his fault. One of those things he could control a little bit, but I just don't think I. They have to. For the Timberwolves to have the worst record, they do, they for sure don't have the worst roster. They shouldn't have the worst record in the NBA. And they've been winning games lately. They've been figuring things out. Obviously, obviously with Cat coming back. And D'Lo is um, just now coming back. Cat's been playing at a high level. But as far as Anthony Edwards, he's talented, man. Um, he's going to be easily getting 25 points per game in this league for a long time. His raw athleticism is ridiculous. He's strong. He's physical. He can score on all three levels. Um, he just got to be more efficient. That's mainly the only thing. Um, some nights he can easily get you 30 to 40 points. Some nights he just have some three for nineteen nights. Too many three for nineteen nights. But he's a rookie. Um, but I give him a B plus. Timberwolves made the right pick in that situation. Um, I don't know how Lamelo would have fit in that situation entirely. But they're they're not gonna lose sleep um, making that Anthony Edwards pick. He's gonna be a good player. Um, I don't think he's gonna be in Minnesota for his whole career. I doubt that. I highly doubt that. Hopefully they don't fuck up his career.
as we've seen what Minnesota has done, and they have many opportunities at these type of players. Number two, James Wiseman, and oof. I think with the Warriors, they made the same pick. They made the same mistake that the that the Kings made in 2018. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad pick. And I like James Wiseman more than I like Marvin Bagley. I give this. I'm giving him a C plus. Um, he's young. He is young. He does his job, and it's only his first year. You know, all these guys. It's their first year. So I'm not trying to write them all off. Um, but he has had some injuries. And he gets in foul trouble. Um, now, the only reason why I'm kind of being picky because he is the number two pick. Now, with him being the number two pick and him being a big man, a center, I don't, I don't see him being the great defender on ball like an Anthony Davis or even a Joel Embiid. You know, um, defensively as least at least on ball as a rim protector he has shown some great potential but offensively now what the Warriors have to hope in in James Wiseman for it to be a good pick they have to hope that he can be you know a dynamic center not just a rim runner you know not not just a guy who's going to get you like a 15 and 11 no you need a guy that can you know you're hoping that James Wiseman can become a Joel Embiid a Jokic a Vucevic or Carl Anthony Towns and that, you know, in that nature. A guy that's going to be able to dominate and get you at least 20, 20 to 25 a game and, you know, obviously have those rebounds and be able to protect the rim at a high level. Now, he's got, he, he's, he recently just got injured again. Uh, I'm going to give this pick a C plus for right now. I think, I think his mentality is good. I think he has a good work. I hope that he has a work, good work ethic to get better. But we're going to have to see how his progression goes over time. But right now, I mean, as far as the season, you know, getting 11-5, and five, I don't think he's not the number one. He's not the number two option or even the number three option. Um, but the only reason is a C-plus because of this next guy that they could have had, and that's LaMelo Ball. Now, if LaMelo Ball was on the Warriors, now the Warriors could have probably been a fifth seed right now. Um, we watched the, the Hornets. I mean, they're still a fourth seed. They're playing inspiring basketball. But that combination of LaMelo and Steph Curry, and then when Clay come back, could have been something special you would have had um you know the closest thing you know you would have had a technically you would have had a, um, a replacement for curry for the next 10 12 years when curry is done so if they would have got Lamelo ball that could have really you know that could have really affected the warriors because i feel like he would have fit in that system you know just fine um if steph curry has another playmaker with him that means that's more off ball movement for steph curry Steph Curry don't need the ball in his hands at all time. He's actually better with the ball out of his hands, you know, running around the screens and getting open three-point shots. But as far as LaMelo draft grade, I think we can all say it. It's easily A+. There's nothing to be said. He's a star. Um, we knew this. He was projected my rookie of the year. Um, he has a great feel for the game. And he's box office, so he's the next big thing. He's obviously the best rookie in this class, and I'm saying that as a Kings fan over Tyrese Halliburton. Because he just he has things that Tyrese doesn't have. He's also 6'8". Uh, he, has, he has physical advantages over Tyrese. And with him being 6'8", and his type of global experience and his professionalism right now, is it's, it's, it's nice to see. And he's a year younger. So, Mellow Ball, there's nothing to be said. A+. Plus. Good shout-out to the Hornets. Luckily for the Hornets, they got it right, and they have a good future ahead of themselves. Number four, Patrick Williams. I was high on Patrick Williams from the start. 
and the Chicago Bulls seen exactly what I've seen. And I'm giving their pick an A-. He's ahead of schedule right now. Um, he does everything he needs to do. He's poised, and he plays with high IQ. Um, he gives me Kawhi Leonard vibes in his rookie year. Not as great defensively as Kawhi, but as far as offensively with the mid-range and slashing to the basket, um, he's shooting pretty well from three when he's given um, his opportunity, shooting nine, 39%. And he's doing he's, he's going to be a valuable piece for that Bulls team that's going to be building around Zach Levine and Vucevic once they get their point guard straight. And they're gonna be they're gonna be a solid they're gonna be a solid team. And having Patrick Williams as your fourth option is gonna be very good for the Bulls for that future. So I give him a minus. Number five, Isaac Okoro. I give him a B. Um, he's been good defensively. He's been really good defensively. He's able to knock up a steal a game. Um, he's in a tough situation with the Cavs right now. They're not winning a lot of games. He's been really good defensively though. Um, he's been scoring. He's just not that efficient, but I can see him getting better in that aspect. He plays competitive, plays hard defense, and I like to see that, and that's what I expected from him. So I give the Cavs a B plus because that was a piece that they needed at that small forward position. And then him, Garland, and um, Sexton, that should be a good one, two, three. Once they get their four and five figured out, if they can bring back Jared Allen, and see what they do in the draft this year if they, you know, find a way to scramble up a top five pick. They have a good future ahead of themselves as well. Number six, Onyeka Kongu. Uh, I give them a C-. minus. He's been injured. Um, he hasn't really got his opportunity yet. I don't think he's proven that he's NBA ready quite yet. Um, he's backing up Clint Capella, who's been playing outside of his out of his mind. Um, but then, they, you know, they could also want another direction. Like I said, Tyrese Halliburton. You know, these got Tyrese Halliburton was available, and I feel like Tyrese Halliburton could have easily helped that Hawks team, but they went with Kongu. Um, I'm not gonna. I think he's he's still young. He still definitely got time. I think he can definitely have a Bam type impact, and his time is coming. Um, but right now, I give it a C minus, um, based on what he has done this year. Um, but I'm not writing him off. I think he can become a very valuable asset for the future he's dynamic defensively and i'm about to see him i'm about to see him prove it but i like his potential but right now i give it a i'm not c, not c minus i give it a c because um, we just haven't seen enough yet and i don't think he's a weak player and i like the pick from the start so killian hayes Oof. now this i give a d minus not because i don't believe in the player even though he has been struggling he is young but the main issue with this pick for the Pistons is they, they drafted some solid players with Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart. If they would have hit this pick with Killian, instead of getting Killian Hayes, if they would have got Tyrese Halliburton, Detroit would have had something special building. And that's why I give him a D-. minus. He's been injured this year, but in those nine games before he got injured, he's actually back right now. Um, he was terrible those his first nine games. Um, you know, yeah, he's young, but then Tyrese is young as well, and... You know, he's proved that he's better than Killian Hayes in every single aspect of the game. Defensively, playmaking, IQ, shooting, finishing, all of that. There is nothing that Killian Hayes is better than than Tyrese Halliburton. And Tyrese Halliburton has the length on him. And he can play point guard and shooting guard. So that's the reason why I have to give that a D- minus because they took him over Tyrese Halliburton. And if you're looking for a guard in this draft and you weren't the Charlotte Hornets... And you didn't get Tyrese Halliburton, you definitely missed out. So 
on to the next one, Obi Toppin. This is another team that missed out on Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine if this team had Tyrese Halliburton. And with, you know, Emmanuel quickly that they got later, they drafted Obi Toppin. I gave him a D. Um, I don't think anybody expected, obviously, for Julius Randle to be doing what he did is doing this year, but he is. Um, but as far as Obi Toppin's game, I didn't. People had him as a top five. I never did. I don't think he was a great rebounder or a great defender. Offensively, I think he's special. Um, I think his ceiling is is basically John Collins, but he hasn't shown to be anywhere close to John Collins. But the thing is with him is like, you know, if he's not coming in, you know, I can't say the same thing for the, you know, like a Killian Hayes where he's young. Obi Toppin's already 22 years old. So I don't know if, if how much room there is for him to grow, um, how much better he is going to get. Um, so as far as where he was drafted at number eight, and then what they have with Julius Randle and how much of a... You know, Julius Randle, when he was coming as a rookie, he was way better than what Obi Toppin is right now. And on top of that, the Knicks could have also had Tyrese Halliburton, you know. I would take out Tyrese Halliburton over Obi Toppin, especially when you have Julius Randle there right now. So, got to give the Knicks a D for that one. Luckily, they saved themselves by getting Emmanuel quickly later round. So, they're going to be happy with this season anyway. They might still make the playoffs as well. But I have to give him a D for that pick for Obi Toppin. Now, number nine, Denny Avija. Um, I give it a C minus. Um, he's honestly a solid playmaker. Um, he's not turning the ball over. Um, he's not really efficient. And um, he's not really that efficient, but he's taking care of the ball. Um, he has uh, like assists or two a game. He's not turning the ball over. Um, he needs to be a little bit more efficient. Um, he's an average defender. He's just an average player. That's that's what I got, and that's why I give him a C minus for it. Um, that's another team that could have used Tyrese Halliburton, but I think, you know, since they're not going to get a guard, since they have Westbrook and Bradley Beal, I think Devin Vassell would have been a better fit for them because he would have brought more on the defensive end, and he could have just been a three and D guy. Um, but I'm not going to really count him out. But Denny Avija, he reminds me a lot of Omri Caspi. So I'm going to just go in that direction. He's just the average player. I don't think he's going to be a superstar talent or anything. So that's why I give it a C-. Number 10, I think we all knew this pick was terrible. Um, Jalen Smith. Now, I'm not knocking him or anything. He's young, but he's just not NBA ready. And for the Suns to take him at number 10, um, a forward where, you know, they, they still where he was a power forward slash center. And they, you know, he's not NBA ready, so they still need that position for the bench. Um, the Suns could have. The, the bad thing about this pick is because not only that they drafted him, but the Suns could have easily got Tyrese Halliburton. If you had Tyrese Halliburton coming off the bench, or and then you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker, because they don't even need, they don't even use Jalen Smith. Tyrese Halliburton would have been a huge upgrade over. Langston Galloway or Cameron Payne or even Javon Carter. Uh, and so the Suns definitely missed on that one. It's a straight F. They definitely reached for Jalen Smith. They didn't need to take him with the 10th overall pick, knowing that he's not NBA ready at all yet. So I got to give the Suns an F. The Suns have been saving the Kings in two drafts. Um, the Suns let us, well, we both fucked up in 2018 with Luka. But in 2017, they chose to get Josh Jackson, let us get De'Aaron Fox. Imagine if they had De'Aaron Fox and 
and Devin Booker. Um, they would have been in the playoffs earlier. And then, you know, this year they let Tyrese slide to us. Another team that let Tyrese slide to us but that wasn't a bad pick was the Spurs. The Spurs, they already have a bunch of guards, you know, in in their defense. But they drafted Devin Fussell. I give this pick a B-. minus. Um, he does his job. He take care of the ball. Solid 3 and D guy. Um, I don't think they really messed up. They took the best player available for them. Um, so he's got more length and defense. He hasn't really shown much yet, but he's been solid. It wasn't terrible. I give it a B minus. Tyrese Halliburton at 12, Kings. We already know. We already know. Steal the draft. High IQ player. He should have been top four. He's been a top three rookie all season. And he's had two Western Conference player rookie of the month awards. And we already know what he can do. We already know how he's been showing out, how he's been helping this Kings team. And he's shown that he's a steal of the draft. No other words need to be said about Tyrese. So that's an A++. The two A+, is the Hornets and the Kings definitely won the drafts. I think the Bulls was after that as far as the lottery teams. Number 13, I got Kyra Lewis for the Pelicans. I got that as a B+. He's shown a lot of potential. He definitely gives me young D Fox vibes. He's playing with, he's not getting as many minutes, but he takes care of the ball. Um, he doesn't have more than a turnover a game, and as a rookie point guard, I find that impressive. He obviously needs to get more efficient. He needs to work on his jump shot. We knew that was one of his weaknesses. Shooting 31, per, th shooting like under 30% from the three, shooting like 42% from the field. But he'll figure that out with experience. But his speed um, is dynamic. And like I say, he's been taking care of the ball as well. So that's that's a good start. He just got to start working on that jump shot. I give the Pelicans a B-plus for that pick because I don't know if they're going to keep going with Lonzo. I think Lonzo is gone after this year. So they have um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker as well, and they also have Kyra Lewis. One of those guys should be, be able to be a starting point guard for Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. And then number 14, the last pick of the lottery, the Celtics, Aaron Naismith. D minus. Um, I got to give that one a D minus because he's nowhere near NBA ready yet. And the Celtics were struggling to fill in that void of Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. And they totally messed up this pick. Um, luckily, they picked Peyton Pritchard in the later round. But they could have been better off with uh, Desmond Bain or Tyrese Maxey with this pick. Because that's who I expected the Kings to pick at 12. But I didn't expect Tyrese to fall all the way to 12. I had Tyrese not going past the top eight for sure. There's no way I thought that Tyrese Halliburton would not get drafted by the Pistons or the Knicks or even the Suns. Um, the guys that was on my radar was Ty Tyrese Maxey, the other Tyrese, or Desmond Bain. I think they were ready, NBA ready in their combo guards, and they could have easily helped NBA team. And that's who the Celtics missed on. I thought um, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Maxey. I was high on Aaron Naismith as well, but I had Tyrese Maxey or Desmond Bain over them, and they're playing well for their, for their teams. So as far as winners and losers of this lottery, um, the Kings... The Hornets, the Bulls, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans—they're—they're they're some winners. And then the disappointments is the Knicks, the Pistons, the Suns, the Celtics were probably the losers. And then average—you got the Wizards, you got the Warriors, you got the—you got the Hawks. Oh, and the Cavs did well in the draft as well. But yeah, that's what—that's those are my grades for those lottery picks. Um. 
it definitely feels nice as a Kings fan to know that we actually did good in the draft. Now, I also want to talk about my top 10 prospects for this next upcoming draft. Uh, I'm just go over 10, uh, going from 10 to 1. Uh, my 10th best prospect, I like Usman Garuba. He is a power forward slash small forward a little bit. Gives me Pascal Siakam vibes. He's playing overseas in Real Madrid in the second best league in the world behind the NBA. Um, defensively, I think he can cause problems. And then, like I said, you know, if you get a guy that knows how to play defense and they have a good work ethic, the offense will come. Um, but they're going to get their, they're going to earn their minutes because of defense. Because of defense, and you can affect the game defensively. You're going to be on the floor for a very long time, and then the offense will come. So I like Usman Garuba. He's lengthy, he's long, um, and he can handle the ball a little bit. And he's been, you know, he's he's been playing against grown men and in the second best league in the world, playing for the same team that Luka Doncic just played for in Real Madrid. Number nine, he's definitely jumped off my board. Um, I had him probably like at 20 in the, tw you know, 20s, definitely in the first round, but in the 20s. And that's Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell, his nickname is Off Night for a very good reason. Um, when you get a nickname like Off Night, that means you are a clamp god. You are a defensive lockdown player. <laughs> uh, he gives me a lot of Marcus Smart vibes with actually better playmaking. Um, he can play the one, the two. So good defensively, so advanced defensively. And he was definitely a main part of that reason why Baylor had the success they had. Um, I'd see him sneaking up there as a combo guard because he can play the one and the two. And defensively, he's so special. He has the same body type as Donovan Mitchell. It's crazy how alike they look, um, even though they're nowhere near related. Um, but Davion Mitchell, his defense and his playmaking will definitely um, intrigue a lot of teams, in my opinion. So he's the ninth best prospect, in my opinion. Zaire Williams, he has a lot of potential. Um, out of Stanford, small four, six eight. Um, he has to jump. He has to work on his jump shot a little bit, but he has a lot of potential defensively. He's going to be able to cause problems in the fast break transition. He has a lot of pure athleticism. Um, he kind of struggled towards the end of the season um, in some of the big games, but there's just too much um, raw potential to be there. I think Zaire Williams is the eighth best prospect, and if he goes in the right situation, he can really succeed in the league. Number seven, I got Moses Moody, um, a pure scorer. I think he can end up scoring on all three levels. Right now, he can definitely come out already um, and be a good three and D guy. He defends at a high level. He hits three at a high. He hits threes at a high clip. He can create his own shot. He's a. He can become a professional scorer. Um, he was on the Arkansas team that went pretty far. They fell short though. I think to Baylor, I believe. Um, but Moses Moody. He he can for he could for surely become a professional scorer. Um, a lot of people like him over Jalen Green. I'm not going that far, but defensively Moses Moody does his job and he can get a bucket for you as well. So I got him as the seventh best prospect. Scotty Barnes, I have him as my sixth best prospect. I think his defensive potential is too great. People have been kind of sliding him down because of his jump shot, but as I said before. If you can defend at a high level, I think jump shots can always be worked on. Your offensive game could be worked on it, even if it's never there. Draymond Green never able to shoot, but his defensive presence and defensive impact will always be recognized. And I think Scotty Barnes can bring that impact. He's a vocal defensive leader. Um, you can hear him. You can 
feel his intensity. He's a competitive guy. He can also handle the ball. Um, he's better with the ball in his hands than without. So it's going to be interesting what type of team he goes to. But um, I can definitely see him getting like a Draymond Green, Bam Adebayo type impact. But just his measurables is just ridiculous. The dude has a 7'3 wingspan and he's 6'9 and he can guard every single position. So um, I have him as the sixth best prospect. I think there's too much potential right there um, defensively can really change the game and defense really matters especially the way offense is going right now if you can get a guy that can get stops it can really mean a lot I mean look at the Miami Heat they had Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo two dynamic defenders at a high level was able to scramble them up to the finals so Scotty Barnes is my sixth best prospect and I'll go into number five I have to go with Jonathan Kuminga gives me a lot of Jalen Brown vibes um he has a lot of potential, a lot of upside, and he can. I think I can see him scoring on all three levels. He's a competitive defender. He can defend as well, slash to the basket. Um, he just got to, you know, based on his G League performance, he just got to be more efficient, um, get to his spots a little bit quicker. But I think he's going to be a very solid player. Reminds me a lot of Jalen Brown. Um, if I'm going to, like, compare all these players, uh, Moses Moody, who can I compare Moses Moody to? Um, Moses Moody, you know, he honestly, honestly, um, he's, he's like a, he's like a Tyler Hero in a way. Um, I feel like Tyler Hero don't get enough credit defensively. Um, he does, does his job defensively. I think Moses Moody does definitely gives me Tyler Hero type fives, you know, both six, five. Um, and you know, Tyler Hero was also able to score off the dribble and that's what Moses Moody I think Moses Moody can become more of a dynamic scorer because he has more athleticism than Tyler Hero That's what I get from Moses Moody. Usman Garuba. I said um, Pascal Siakam he gives me those vibes. Davion Mitchell gives me full Marcus Smart vibes um, Zaire Williams He's a little interesting um, right now right now I would really say I would say Jaden McDaniels right now, um, and that's because there's a ceiling that still needs to be proven. But that's that's kind of what I see from them, from him. And John DeCuminga, I see a lot of Jalen Brown in him. Scotty Barnes, I see a Draymond. I think, I think Scotty Barnes is a six nine Draymond. You know, a taller, long arm version of Draymond Green. And now, so John DeCuminga, I got him compared to Jalen Brown. I'm not trying to say compare him, say they're gonna become like those players, but I'm talking about like who their game models after, you know, what they'll be used like. That's where I'm coming at. Jalen Suggs, I have him at number four. Um, competitive, fiery guy, um, high IQ team player guy. Um, I don't think he's, like, dynamic enough to be able, be able to give you, like, 25 a game or whatever. But I think he's a solid point guard that does it and that can be an elite um, floor general and an elite defender. He gives me a lot of Drew Holiday vibes. A lot of Drew Holiday vibes. Um, he's a winner. He's competitive. Good intangibles. And we seen what he did in the tournament. He was one of the big reasons for that Gonzaga team that almost had a perfect season. They just came short in the championship. Um, but I have Jalen Suggs. I used to have Jalen Suggs at five and Kuminga at four. But Jalen Suggs has proved me that he should be the number four guy. Um, Jalen Green, I have him at number three. 
I think he's the greatest high school player that I've seen with my own eyes. My high school team played against him, and he's two years younger than me, and it's crazy to see a guy like that have so much athleticism, but it's really his mentality. Um, he's going to want to score any way possible, whether it's slashing to the basket, running the lane. Also, he can also score on all three levels. He's just a tenacious scorer. He's going to easily get 20 points in this league for a very long time. He's very twitchy. Um, just be leaping out the gym. He just springy athleticism. Reminds me a lot of what Jay, um, Zach Levine is. Zach Levine has put it together with his athleticism. I feel like Jalen Green can be the exact same way. Um, just a tenacious scorer. He's going to be able to give you 20 a night for sure. I think he's going to win rookie of the year because how well he's going to be able to score. You know, if he goes to a team like the Magic where they need a guy that needs to score, I think he will succeed in a position like that. Uh, but Zach Levine, 2.0 in my opinion, for sure. And Zach Levine has proved that he can get you 30 anytime, and that's what Jalen Green is going to be for sure. For sure about that. Number two, Kay Cunningham. Now, I don't really have a comparison for Kay Cunningham. He's actually a mixture of two. Because um, the way he plays, you know, he has high-level IQ. Um, but he can also create his own shot. Um, the way he scores the ball, I see his smoothness, smoothness in his game. Because he's not super athletic. Um, but he has a smoothness in his game and the way he creates shot and creates his own jump shots. Like a Jason Tatum. But then he can play make for others like he's Ben Simmons. Um, and he's doing this at 6'8", play point guard, shooting guard, small four, whatever. Um, he'd probably be a little bit better on the defensive end, but offensively, he has all of it. He makes reads off the pick and roll very well. He has the height to see all over it, and he led an Oklahoma State team very far, um, all the way to the Big 12 Championship, which I thought was a very competitive conference, I think the most competitive conference. And he was a star. Um, he's just a can't-miss prospect. And I think he's very dynamic, and I have him as number two. I don't really have a comparison for him because he's a mixture of two. I, he could score the ball like Jason Tatum a little bit, maybe not like as much like Jason Tatum, but then he playmakes like Ben Simmons. You know, he has the scoring, the three-level scoring ability with the playmaking as well. So it's going to be interesting what he comes in and comes in to be. He's a can't-miss guy either. He's going to be solid. He's going to easily be able to get near triple doubles. Triple doubles. So. And as the number one, because I used to have Kay Cunningham number one, but I have to go with Evan Mobley as number one. Um, he won Pac-12 Player of the Year, Pac-12 Freshman of the Year, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. And the only freshman to do that in their conference like that is Anthony Davis, and he's the guy that reminds me of Anthony Davis the most come out of college. Evan Mobley was a guy who had a growth spurt. He used to be a guard, so he still has some guard tendencies. But as far as the defensive end, he just... He was averaging three-plus blocks a game. He can guard every single position. He was able to guard guards. He has the foot speed to keep up with them. He does his job on the pick and roll. He can shoot the mid-range. He has a developing jump shot. His form is straight. It's not where you, you, you can't just lay off of him. His game, he's just a center version of Anthony Davis. He reminds me a lot of Anthony Davis. And he does his job, and he completely elevates his team. He got his team far into the tournament until they ran into Gonzaga. Um, if, if Evan Mobley was on like a Gonzaga or a Baylor, they would have won the championship, um, as well. Evan Mobley defensively can change a team. Um, I think he's that dynamic. He's a double-double machine, obviously, but he has proven defense that I think will translate into the league. He has the length. Um, he has the foot speed. You can't switch. You can switch with him off the pick and roll. Um, 
think he's can't miss. He's the close like he looks like Anthony Davis coming out of college if he just bulks up. Because Anthony Davis was skinny as hell, but he was able to block everything. He was everywhere, and and he would dunk on you as well. And that's what Evan Mobley is doing, in my opinion. Now you know it's hard to come call somebody the next Anthony Davis, but his game resembles a lot like Anthony Davis. He don't Evan Mobley don't got no signature move. He's not gonna do nothing too fancy. He gets buckets. He defends at a very very high level, and he's gonna do his job. And I think. You know, have the right pieces around him, he can be a very big-time impact player. Now, it's going to be interesting. My only thing on Evan Mobley is, you know, how aggressive can he be offensively? Um, you know, I wish he was a little bit more aggressive at USC, but he was doing his job. So, I think his defensive impact really changed the team, especially the way the NBA is. Coming off all these pick and rolls, he's going to be able to guard the guards. Um, he's at least going to be able to contain the guards. He won't just be a mismatch, so... I like what Evan Moby brings to the table more than any prospect in this draft. So those are my top 10 prospects. <sighs> and yeah, that's kind of where I want to go with the NBA draft. Now, I want to give you guys my NFL mock draft. This is going to be interesting. The draft is in a couple of weeks. I think it's in three weeks, April 29th. It's April 12th. We still got some time waiting. I'm really nervous about the Niners' decision to make, but I did a first-round mock draft, okay? So I'm going to go into it, and I'm going to make sure I get through it quickly because we got 32 picks to get through, and we're at 37 minutes on this podcast right now. But, you know, um, I think some picks are very, you know, self-explanatory, but here's what I'm going to go with. So starting first, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They select Trevor Lawrence, of course. Fill in that QB position, get the best quarterback in this draft, and try to see what you got with Trevor Lawrence. Now, one thing that needs to be noted, all these rookie QBs, they're going to come in and throw picks. It's really where year two and year three is where things, and year four starts to make things happen. Because there are rookie contracts and you're able to build the team um, and get better players to surround the rookie quarterback, um... That development in year two, year three is very important. We see how Josh Allen came back in year three. We see how Pat Mahomes came after sitting out um, a full year coming in year two. We see how Lamar came year two, won MVP. Um, now, we're going to see how Justin Herbert comes year two. That's going to be interesting. We're seeing how Baker Mayfield is year four. Um, so, I mean, we see how Baker Mayfield is year three. Uh, we're going to see how... Sam Darnold is in his situa new situation in year four. Um, but all these guys, I think they're going to come in and throw a bunch of picks at first. But we'll see who's special. We'll see who's not. Um, but year two, year three is the main thing. But, yeah, I got Jags selecting Trevor Lawrence. I got the Jets selecting Zach Wilson. I think those are self-explanatory. Now that the Jets traded away Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson is the second best option in my opinion. And I believe it's in their opinion too. Number three. 49ers, my team. Now, I don't think we're getting Mac Jones. I think that's all smoke. It comes down to Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter for this next year. We went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. But this is for the future. And I think a year of development with Trey Lance, because he ran that pro offense, he's the best dual threat in this class. I think he has a, um, I think he has a stronger arm than Justin Fields as well. But I think... Um, him being bigger, I think he's also a more dynamic runner. He might not be as fast as Justin, but I think he's more of a dynamic runner. 
um, than people give him credit for. He gives me Jalen Hurts vibe when the ball is in his hands. Um, he has more size. And like I said, he ran a very similar offense. Um, I think a year of development just sitting behind Garoppolo for Trey Lance. I think the upside for Trey Lance is greater than any QB in this draft class. And I think the 49ers get Trey Lance with the number three pick. And then I got the Broncos trading with the Falcons. Trading that fourth round, um, that ninth overall pick, trading up to number four, drafting Justin Fields. And the Falcons move down to nine and get some extra picks to build around that defense because they definitely they desperately need defense they don't need any more offense court off passing is the last thing they need and you know obviously Kyle Pitts Jamar Chase but they have Julio Riley really I mean Calvin really um they're fine passing well they need help def uh, in a lot of other areas and I think Broncos go up don't make that same mistake getting a Brock Osweiler Paxton Lynch Drew Locke or whatever I think they go up and get their quarterback in Justin Fields to pair up with Jerry Judy Cortland Sutton, Sutton Tim Patrick KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, all those weapons, and with that defense in in, in Denver, and I think Justin Fields will be a good fit for for Denver, where he can come in right now and you know prove what he got. I think Trey Lance is a project that we're willing, we're we're capable of doing because we still have Jimmy. And I think J him learning another Jimmy will benefit us, and I want to treat it like a Pat Mahomes situation because I think there's a lot of potential for Trey Lance. But yeah, so the Broncos get their quarterback with Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields would be a good fit for Denver, I think, with those weapons. And I think he can be that guy that can probably hopefully compete with the Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I think he can become better than Derek Carr. So we're going to see. But yeah, I got the Broncos getting their quarterback as well. So four quarterbacks going in the top four. Now, number five, this Bengals pick was tough. You know, it's like, oh, do you go tackle? But... You know, I was looking at his pro day. You know, he don't look like he lost a step. And, you know, about the guys that opted out, like Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase, you know, guys that opted out um, in the season because they already proved enough on tape. And I believe in that. I don't think they needed to play another season. Because if I look back at my Niners, Nick Bosa only played those four games, and then he's like, all right, proved enough. And he came in the league and became a defensive player of the year for the Niners. Um, generational talents, talents that they already put on the tape, that's not going anywhere. It's not going to be lost or anything. And I just don't think that I don't think Joe Burrow because this is a tackle heavy draft. You can get yourself a good tackle, especially in the Bengals position in the second round. And I just don't see I, if they're going to consult this with Joe Burrow. I know Joe Burrow for a fact wants Jamar Chase. I just I had him as my third best weapon behind Kyle Pitts and Devontae Smith. Um, but I think. You know, you've seen what Jamar Chase has done with Joe Burrow and LSU. We've just seen it, and I just don't think that you could pass up on it. Right, so I got Jamar Chase going to the Bengals. You know, and you also got um, you got Boyd as one of the best slot receivers in the league, and you also got T. Higgins on the other side. And you got Joe Burrow's weapon. Get yourself a tackle in the next round or a guard in the next round because you you will be able. There will be one available, and get yourself a a a playmaker in Jamar Chase and that's already familiar with Joe Burrow and I think they go in that direction now the Dolphins was a tough one too they needed a line but they have a bunch of picks as well um where you know Devontae Smith is on the board you got Kyle Pitts over there but they already have Mike Gusecki um and I think they'll be able to get a receiver later as well um because they also have the 18th pick 
And I think they just solidify and protect Tua, and they get Panay Sewell, who I think is the best tackle of the draft. They drafted a tackle last year, um, and they needed to fill up this O-line because they honestly had no time. And you can give Tua some time. I think that would be better. And they can honestly spend money for more free agents as well. And there's more receiver. There's a lot of receiver talent in this draft, and they're, they're going to be able to get one later, which I will get into. But I think they should get that tackle, protect Tua, because they honestly had a terrible old line. Get a Panay Sewell. I think that would be, fit them really well. Now, the Lions at seven, they, they have Jared Goff. They need a lot more than quarterback. I think they need some juice at the wide receiver position, and I think they get the guy, Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner, the Heisman Trophy winner. Pair him up with Jared Goff, see what they got going on over there. You know, hopefully they can build around that team. Um, but I think Devontae Smith, Detroit, he's a hard worker. I think he can hopefully shape things up in Detroit with Jared Goff over there and um, DeAndre Swift as well and TJ Hawkinson. So that offense will get some more juice with Devontae Smith. I think he's the best wide receiver in the draft. And then we've got the Panthers at eight. Um, and they get the best weapon, in my opinion, in the draft, and that's Kyle Pitts. Um, you feel that Kyle Pitts. You also got Robbie Anderson. You also got DJ Moore. They lost Curtis Samuel. Samuel. So you get Kyle Pitts in that middle. Give, give that weapon to Sam Darnold. Um, they get the best weapon, in my opinion. And now that you're looking at one of a very dynamic offense. Um, Kyle Pitts is a 6'6". He can run a 4'4". He's a mismatch for linebackers and corners and safeties. I mean, he's too big for corners and safeties, and he's too fast for the linebackers. So you can pick your poison. You can put him on the outside. You can put him at tight end. You can put him at the slot. I think he's just a dynamic weapon, and the Panthers should be lucky to have him. Falcons, I got Michael Micah Parsons. Um, they can get another linebacker. He can rush the passer. He can play middle linebacker. He can cover. He's a do-it-all linebacker, in my opinion. Reminds me a lot of Michael Miles uh, Jack or even... Um, or even Anthony Barr. Um, Falcons need to desperately change that defense up. They need to get some juice on that defense. And I think Micah Parsons bring him that juice. Number 10, I got the Cowboys getting Patrick Sertan. Um, physical corner. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Mar Marlon Humphrey. Um, Dallas was getting shredded. Um, especially the loss of Byron Jones. So I think getting them getting a corner will help their defense out. They need a lot of help on that defense. But now they got Dak back. Their offense should be fine. Um, if Kyle Pitts was up there, I wouldn't be surprised if Cowboys tr try to find a way to trade up to get Kyle Pitts. But I think they need to fix that defense and the interior and the secondary. And that's why I got them going Patrick Sertan. Now the Giants, they had one of the worst old lines um, in the league last year. I think they go with Rashawn Slater. They drafted a tackle last year and on um, Andrew Thomas. You get a tackle on the other side and Rashawn Slater. Um and try to protect Daniel Jones and really get that run game going with Saquon so he don't tear his ACL. So if he can get that run game going with Saquon, they're going to be hard to stop, especially they got Kenny Galladay now. Um, they still have Sterling Shepard also with um, ah, Slayton, Darius Slayton as well. That defense is getting better. They picked up um, Adoree, Jack Adoree Jackson, I believe, yep. And they also have Bradbury who is playing at a, a very high level. Um, Leonard Williams is playing at a very high level. So they can either go edge rusher or tackle. I think they go with tackle. Make sure you get Saquon going. Um, they need to get Saquon going for sure because um, he can be a top three running back, especially when he's healthy. So I got them going with tackle. Eagles, I got them going with Jalen Waddle. 
um, a dynamic receiver. They do that. They need some juice. Um, they definitely needed some juice. I think Jalen Waddle can be that playmaker that they need, especially when he's healthy. Um, gives me Tyreek Hill vibes. He's blazing fast. When he has the ball in his hands, he can make so many plays. Got the Alabama connection with Jalen Hurts and Jalen Waddle. We'll see how that go. I like how that goes. And they traded down to number 12, so they can also fill out their roster in the second and third round. Um, get their playmaker and Jalen Waddle. I think they that'll be the right move for them. Chargers. Justin Herbert was pressured way too much, and it was crazy the type of throws he was able to, but he always had people in his face. They signed Corey Lindsey from the Packers, and now they can just fill out that tackle because they also have Brian LaBulaga as well. Um, and they still they have Tri Turner on the right side also. Uh, I think they get another tackle um, and Christian Darshaw from Virginia Tech and protect Justin Herbert. 14, Vikings. I got Quiddy Pay, edge rusher. Um, get that edge rusher. Uh, with the Vikings, they lost, you know, they didn't have Daniil Hunter all season, but they don't have Everson Griffin. Um, that And they, they didn't have Michael Pierce, but Michael Pierce is going to be coming back. They're trying to reform that D-line, get that D-line going because their defense was terrible last year. Their offense is fine with the weapons they got and the running game. Um, I think they're going to, you know, obviously solidify that pass rush. They have some young corners, and you get a good pass rush, it makes the jobs on the corner easier. So Quiddy Pay to the Vikings. 15, got the Patriots. Mac Jones falls right in their laps, and I think he backs up Cam Newton. If Cam Newton doesn't take advantage of his opportunity, they got Mac Jones to plug in instead of Jared Stidham. Mac Jones is obviously very good at reading the defense. He can fit that Patriots mold. I think Bill Belichick will be happy to have him. I don't. I'm not a Mac Jones hater. I'm not. I just don't want to draft Mac Jones at the number three overall pick, where we traded three first rounders for him. Uh, but I think Mac Jones can really be successful in the right system for real, because he could read. I think he can read defenses at an elite level. He just doesn't have the the um, second. You know, he can't. I don't know. I haven't seen him be able to make plays when things broke down, and he was playing on Alabama, so he still has some things to prove. But you know, you never know. Um, I don't think he's a bad quarterback at all. I think he's a first-round quarterback. I just don't think he's better than the other four, the the four ahead of him. But Mac Jones to the Patriots. That should be good news for them. Sixteen Cardinals. I got them with J.C. Horn. They don't have Patrick Peterson no more. Plus, he well, he's on the Vikings. They're in a new era. Um, well, you know, they had 11 good years of Patrick Peterson. I think them getting J.C. Horn, who, when I was listening to Richard Sherman, who Richard Sherman thinks is the best corner of this draft, doesn't sound like good news to me because I don't want the Cardinals to get better, but I think J.C. Horn could make that, um, you know, him and Byron Murphy with those safeties and linebackers they got um, really fill up their defense. They can go another way. They can go tackle or guard, but I think that would be a little reach, and they can get a tackle or a guard in the next round. So I think they get a top tier corner. And especially with the division that we're in, with all the receivers that we have, with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Corey Cup, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, you definitely need a corner um, in that NFC West division. Raiders, geez, they should not touch offense. It should be only defense. And I think they should get Trayvon Morig, who is a top 10 talent in my opinion. Um, he gives me a lot of um, Tyrant Matthew vibes. He can play corner. He can play nickel corner. He can play safety. He probably also play inside the box. The Raiders desperately need playmakers. They begin shredded in the passing game and running game. They need help all over defense. Um, but I think Trayvon Moray can really bring a dynamic, a dynamic to their defense that they desperately need. Bring some juice into it. 
and I like that pick for for the Raiders. They definitely need a safety um, or a dynamic, you know, safety nickel. They just need a lot of. <laughs> They need a they need a versatile weapon in that def, um, in that pass defense, and I think Trayvon Moore can definitely be that guy. Number eighteen, the Dolphins are back on the board, and this one I got them taking a receiver. I think Rashad Bateman would be a good fit for them. Um, he seems like a professional receiver. He can run a lot of route. He can pretty much run every route in the route tree. He's really good for Minnesota. Um, them getting a the receiver after they get a tackle because they desperately need some juice. They need some Tua needs some weapons in that offense. Um, but pairing him up with pairing Bateman up with Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, and Gasecki, and also a you know a re my bad you know also a you know a upgrade offensive lineman adding Penny Sewell of course I think that can help the Dolphins out and I think he's the best receiver available at that position. Now on to the football team I've got them taking Jeremiah Owusu Kamoro. Um, they have that nice defensive line, um, but they had Thomas Davis, who recently retired, so that there's a hole in that linebacker position. And Jeremiah Wusu Karora, he can do it all in the linebacker position. Um, he can guard. He can he can be a safety. He can guard the tight ends. He can keep up with the running backs. Um, he's fast. He's all over the field. He's a very good coverage linebacker. And having a good coverage linebacker with that um, with that pass rushing four that Washington has with you know Montez Sweat, Chase Young, um, Allen, and Payne, and Ioannidis, all those pass rushers that they got over there. Having a, a linebacker that knows what he's doing up the middle so they're not getting shredded by tight ends can really help that defense. So I think they go linebacker right there. The Bears, I got them taking Tevin Jenkins, tackle out of Oklahoma State. I looked at his tape. Oh, my God, he is a violent dude. He doesn't look violent. Like his face and stuff like that. He doesn't look violent, but he is a violent dude. He's finishes. Like he's, man, it's crazy. And I think Bears definitely needed some offensive line help. They were getting pressured a lot. They're going with Andy Dalton as QB1, supposedly. Um, so, you know, I think they got weapons. They got enough weapons because they did bring back Allen Robinson. They have all those tight ends. Darno Mooney is a bright spot. We already know how good that defense is. So try to build up that O lineman. I think Tevin Jenkins would be a good pick for them. Colts, I got them taking Jason away from Penn State, edge rusher. Justin Houston's kind of old. Um, they need some juice on that pass rusher edges. That they, and, you know, they got Defoe in the middle. They got Darius Leonard. They got some solid corners and Xavier Rhodes, Rocky Sin, and some solid safeties. Um, get yourself another pass rusher because Justin Houston is getting old. Um, get yourself some juice on the edge. And I like that pick of Jason Owe. He's a very... He's a very dynamic pass rusher. He's good for Penn State. And I think he can help that Colts defense a lot, especially with Defoe in the middle, just taking up blocks and eating up the middle and destroying the middle. Miss him on the Niners, but, you know, business is business. We have to do what we have to do. Number 22, the Titans. The Titans lost Corey Davis. Um, I think they get another Ole Miss receiver. I like Elijah Moore. Um, paired up, pair him up with A.J. Brown. I think that's a nice little dynamic that they can build. I would have got a pass rusher for them, but they did sign Bud Dupree, so they're fine on the pass rusher. I think their defense ain't that bad. Um, they could have went two ways. They could have got corner or right receiver. I think they needed a receiver because other than A.J. Brown, they lost Jonu Smith as well. So I think they needed to get themselves another juice, some more juice as far as wide receiver or tight end. And I think they go wide receiver, get another Ole Miss receiver. A.J. Brown will show, will show them the ropes. And they should have something right there. Elijah Moore is a very shifty receiver. I like him. 
So now to the Jets. Um, I got them getting Greg Newsom, cornerback out of, um, out of Northwestern. Um, get yourself an extra corner. They need talent everywhere. Um, getting yourself a good corner is not going to hurt you. Um, dealing with Stephon Diggs over there. And um, you got to have somebody. You got to have, you know, you got to hope you draft somebody to be able to contain Stephon Diggs. Um, also, the Jets had no corners last year either. I mean, look at what happened in that Raiders game. You know, they only won two games or whatever. So I think they should go corner. I think best player available is Greg Newsom in that spot. Now, I had Caleb Farley, but Caleb Farley had some injuries and he opted out. So that's why I have him going farther down in this draft. But as far as the Steelers with the 24th pick, I got them taking a tackle. They need a tackle. Um, they Their O-line is getting old. They definitely need another offensive lineman. I got them taking Walker Little from Stanford. Number 25, I got the Jaguars taking another tackle from North Dakota State, Dylan Rasmus. Um, you know, make sure you're protecting Trevor Lawrence. Number 26, I got the Browns taking Christian Barmore. They could have went two directions. They could have either got a linebacker or um, a defensive interior. Um, I got them taking a defensive interior. Um, I think they're about to get Jadavion Clowney on the way. But they picked up a safety in John Johnson in free agency. Um, I think they can get a linebacker in the second round. I think they should solidify um, some defensive interior presence with Christian Barmore. That way they can stop the run game um, up the middle. Also, so now I got the Ravens. Um, they picked up Sammy Watkins, so I don't got them taking a receiver. I actually got them taking an edge rusher because they lost um, Matt Judon and they lost Yannick Agakwe. So I got them taking Aziz Olajuwari from Georgia, edge rusher. Um, I like him. He'll bring some juice to that defensive end spot, um, and he'll be cheap. And hopefully he can produce for them. I think they go edge rusher because you know, they lost a lot of edge rusher this year. So they'll hopefully be able to replace Judon and um, Ngakwe with Elajari. Aziz Jalari. That's hard for me to pronounce his name. Saints at 28. I got them taking Caleb Farley. Um, Janoris Jenkins is obviously up there in age. Marshawn Lattimore needs somebody on the other side of him. And he likes to play man. I think Caleb Farley likes to play man. If Caleb Farley is right there for the Saints, the Saints are definitely going to take him. Um, I think that's a good fit for them. And, yeah, they have two corners, and hopefully he can become a shutdown corner because, I mean, he has athleticism and all that, and I think he relies on his athleticism too much. But, if, you know, if he figures it out, if the system works out for him, they can be something special. Packers, you know, this one was, it was like either do they get a receiver or they get a, you know, a linebacker. Um, I think they begin ran over. Um, I think they desperately need a linebacker in the middle because I see I sat there and watched Raheem Maserati run for 200 something yards on them um, I think they should get Nick Bolton out of Missouri get a linebacker because they def desperately need a linebacker linebackers wasn't doing nothing run defense they're definitely playing soft so they can definitely get some juice in their linebacker spot I think that can help their defense hopefully they can get a receiver in the second round to help out Aaron Rodgers number 30 the Bills, 30th pick, I got them getting Asante Samuel Jr. Um, same similar situation like the Saints. Um, you got a lockdown corner on one side, but then you got some, you know, you got some old corner on the other side. They had Josh Norman, so you need some juice over there. I think the Bills getting Asante Samuel Jr. Um, to pair up on the other side with Tredavious White and obviously with those safeties with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. You know, they could have went two different directions. They could have went past rush or corner. I think they go get a corner. 
um, especially if you know you're trying to beat the Chiefs, the more the corners, the better. Or you know you pass rusher, but I think they got some pass rushers that they already drafted. They drafted Ed Oliver. They had Espinoza. So I think um, while those guys are developing, take care of the corner position, and you should move forward from there. Now the Chiefs, we saw saw them lose the Super Bowl the way they did. I think they get Elijah Vera Tucker. He can play the guard or a tackle. Offensive line was a desperate need for them. They did lose Sammy Watkins by having taken a receiver maybe in the second round to try to replace that while they're still working with McCole Hardman, obviously Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. I think they just get themselves a tackle. Elijah Vera Tucker is very dynamic. He can play a guard and a tackle. I think he help out the Chiefs a lot, and they can plug and play him anywhere they want. And then with the final pick, the Bucks, they pretty much brought everybody back. So um, as far as I was looking the way their roster is um, with age and everything, I got them taking the um, an interior tackle from a smaller school, Aline McNeil, because um, Kong Su won't be there too long. So I think um, you get Aline McNeil um, to be able to kind of take that place in Kong Su when he's done after this year. So that's my first round mock draft. Wow, we reached an hour. Um, but yeah, the NFL mock draft, that's my mock draft. I talked about the grades of the NBA draft this year. And I talk about my top 10 prospects of the NBA draft that's coming up this this summer. And yeah, that's that's pretty much the angle that I'm coming at with it. I hope the Niners draft Trey Lance or Justin Fields. I really hope it's not Mac Jones. I hope the Kings can try to start playing inspiring basketball again. But other than that, I got to hit the gym. And I hope y'all had a lovely day if you got this far. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I love coming on here, talking, you know, doing my nor my nerdy sports stuff. Um, put some time. I've been putting time into this, and it's the 40th episode. Um, it feels good to hit 40 episodes, knowing that we're still doing this. We've been doing this for basically a year now. Um, for a year now, yeah, pretty much. Um, it's April, and it's crazy how much time has changed as far as COVID and all that stuff, and how my life has changed constantly over just in one year. But we're still going, and I appreciate all the support that comes my way. And we're going to keep coming to it, and we're about to get to 50 soon. So, hope y'all have a blessed day, a good day, good vibes, all that. Peace.